So excited to get into this message today. This is part three. It's the finale of a series we're calling Made for Mondays. I don't know if you know it or not, but God has a plan for your life that goes beyond church attendance. I want to encourage you today towards the plan and purpose of God. Uh, we, we got these mugs made for this series. Uh, we told you on the first week it's a limited edition. In other words, we, we only ordered a certain number of them, and once they're gone, they're gone. So if you'd like to order one of these, I would encourage you to stop by the info center after church, and uh, they have them there, and you can get one. Just a great reminder for you that you have a purpose and a plan from God. And can I also say, it's potentially a great conversation starter, just to have that sitting on your desk or in your workspace or at your cubicle, whatever that might look like, and somebody can see that, made, made for Mondays, what's that about? And you can tell them why God has brought you into that place and why he's put you in that sphere of influence. So I, I did say they're limited edition, uh, but let me just tell you, they're not as limited as I thought they were. We got a lot of mugs <laughs> left out there, so Christmas is like 11 weeks away, so just kind of putting that thought in your mind. Otherwise, I'm going to be coming up with Made for Monday, the, the, the revamp next year. <laughs> Either that or you'll see me out on the street corner here with a table set up and coffee cups for sale. So hey, listen, get your Made for Monday mug and let that be a blessing to you. Uh, they're, they're, they're $10 a piece. They're two for 20. So how about that deal? <laughs> Today, I, I want to start with a quote that I heard from uh, a gentleman by the name of H.L. Hendricks. It, it, it communicates the direction we're headed today. He said he could not find a single verse of scripture that commands a lost person to go to church. But he could quote numerous scriptures that call the church to go to the lost world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, Verse 1, we looked at this verse last week. I want to read it again to launch into this message today. He says, Paul writing, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He said it's reasonable. He said it's right. In view of what God has done, in view of redemption and the cross, it's appropriate that you give yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Now, in the first week of this series, we talked about the importance of Sabbath and rest. And let me just remind you, in case you missed that word, that that God does want a living sacrifice, not a dying sacrifice. All right? So, So this is not a message about just try harder and do more. I want you to get more than just try harder and do more out of this message today. And and to help you understand this, I want to read that same verse out of Eugene Peterson's uh, message translation. I want you to hear the way he just brings this down to to write at the level of shoe leather, okay? This is practical right here. Listen to this translation. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. How many of you would say amen to that truth? 
Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Now listen, 2020, as we mentioned earlier, has been an exceptional year. And one thing that it has absolutely done for me is it has just just stripped away any veneer that we might have of a hope that the kingdom of God is established by the consistency of us having brick and mortar churches and gatherings like this. The fact is that we went for so many weeks this year without physically gathering in a place that if it communicated nothing else, it should have taught us this, that the kingdom of God is not built on the foundation of us gathering in a building like this on Sunday. Because what we saw through all of that time was not only did the kingdom of God survive, not only did the church uh, you know, make it through 2020 thus far, but we saw the kingdom of God advance. We saw God building his kingdom. We saw people being added to the church on a regular basis because the church is not sustained by what happens on Sunday morning. So why did it grow? I'll tell you why the church has grown even in the midst of a crazy year like 2020. It's grown because people took their everyday life their ordinary life, their sleeping and eating and going to work and walking around life and placed it before God as an offering. That's what God is asking us to do today. You know, one of the things I love about coming to church is that when we come into a gathering like this, you can, you can experience the presence of God. I mean, did you sense it earlier? Was it, was it just me on the platform? Or when, when we prayed together, did you sense God's presence today? There's something powerful about all of us just saying the same thing about who God is. You know, it's, it's why we put the words up there so we can all rally around the same truth about how great our God is, how good our God is, how he can turn circumstances around. And when Pastor Chris got up here a few moments ago and began to lead us in, pray, in prayer, I just sensed that God in that moment was, was just breaking through on another level. And maybe you're, maybe you're there today. Maybe you've been there and you say, you know what? I just need to get to church because I know if I can get there, God can break through the atmosphere and he can move in my life. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, do, do you taste his presence this morning? Can you see God's goodness today on the faces of his people? But my question for us in this Made for Monday series is, is, is this. If we're supposed to taste and see that the Lord is good, as much as this Sunday experience is awesome, the reality is, and the statistics bear this out over and over again, most people don't come to God's house on Sunday. Have you noticed? Most people don't come here and experience what you and I are experiencing. So the question is, what do they see of Jesus at your workplace? What does the goodness of God taste like Monday through Friday? What are the experience of God's goodness? And, and I want you to just understand this as we get ready to jump into the scriptures. You may be the only Jesus that some people ever experience. Have you considered that? You may be the only Jesus they experience because they're not coming here. They're not 
tasting what we taste. They're not experiencing what we experience, but they know you. And so it's while you're repairing their car, it's while you're cutting their hair, it's while you're serving their table or, or taking their phone call or, or preparing their tax return. Those moments of interaction are the opportunity for a lost world to taste and see and experience the goodness of God. I want to say it today. Church, we were made for Monday. I'm going to give you three reasons you were made for Monday. Number one, you were made for Monday because Sunday changed everything. I don't know if anybody's read the Gospels but me, but I want to tell you, Sunday changed everything. When you look at Mark's Gospel, he says that on the night that Jesus was arrested in the garden, they bound the hands of Jesus. They bound his hands. It says that Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. And all the disciples, they ran away in the night. They were afraid. And by midday, that next morning, Jesus had been crucified and he died. And when the sun set on the weekend, I want to tell you, those disciples, they were discouraged. They were distraught. They were defeated. Luke tells us that two of them were leaving town on Sunday night. And he says these words. He said, their face was downcast. Why? Because they had lost hope. Because they knew the realities of Friday, and they hadn't come to the reality that Sunday had changed everything. And so even though Sunday had come, they were still living without hope. Now, I, I just dare guess that in a room, this many people and those online, there might be somebody listening to this message today that hates Friday. But there's probably a whole lot more people in this room that hate Monday. And you would go, man, I just, oh, I dread Mondays. I don't know what I'm going to do. I I don't know what it's like. And the reason you would say you hate Monday is because you know what you're going back to. You know the work that was undone. You know the coworkers that you work with. You know the stuff that you have to face in the coming week. And can I just tell you today, you can't go into this week like you came out of last week because Sunday changed everything. See, every Sunday for the child of God is Easter Sunday. We live on the other side of an empty tomb. And the Bible says that God's mercies are new each and every day. His mercies are new. Malachi says the son of righteousness, he rises with healing in his wings. There's something that happens when we come into God's presence, when we say on the first day of the week, I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord. We're making a statement of faith. We're putting our flag in the ground on the other side of an empty tomb. And we're saying, Sunday changed everything. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new in Christ Jesus. We live on the other side of resurrection. When the disciples got up that Monday morning, I can promise you they were not defeated. They were not discouraged. I can assure you they were not distraught because Sunday changed everything. Paul, he wrote about the change in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. He said it this way. He said, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. 
Maybe, maybe there's a skeptic that, that wonders, well, well, what if the resurrection is, is not true? I mean, is, is Christianity still you know, worth its salt? Is, is Christianity still good for, for its you know, moral teachings? And what if I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but, but I still just you know, want to live by the book? Well, Paul said, no, it's worthless. I mean, Paul just made it real clear. He said, listen, if, if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, my preaching, your faith, it's worth nothing. In fact, a little bit later in the same chapter, he said, if we have hope for this life only, we are most pitiable among men. <laughs> Paul said, you ought to feel bad for Christians if Jesus didn't come out of the grave. I mean, you ought to feel bad for me as a preacher of the gospel. But Paul understood that Sunday changed everything. I, I think Bill and Gloria Gaither got it right when they wrote the words to that song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know who holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Aren't you thankful that he lives today? Jesus is alive today. And the church should look different on Monday because we know what Sunday accomplished. You were made for Monday. Number two, not only because Sunday changed everything, but because the Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of Christ lives in you. Here's what Paul said about that in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. He said, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because the Spirit who lives in you. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. Do you, do you know what Paul was saying in that moment? He was saying that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that gave resurrection life, because that spirit is on the inside of every born-again believer, everyone who gives their life to Christ, repents of their sins, makes a decision to follow him, the spirit, the power of God that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. And he says, it has changed the priorities of your life. I wonder if anybody besides me today has experienced a shift in your priorities. He said, because the spirit of Christ lives in you. Oh, you still have obligations. But before Christ, you had an obligation to your sinful nature. You had an obligation to to feel a certain way and to react a certain way to circumstances, but you don't have that obligation anymore. See, some of you, you live with people that don't know Jesus, and they're still trying to tie you to what they're obligated to. You know, you come into work on Monday morning, you got the joy of the Lord, and they look at you with a scowl, like, why are you singing? It's Monday. Why are you happy? You can't be happy. It's Monday. Yes, I can be happy. Man, Sunday happened. The tomb is empty. I got the spirit of Jesus on the inside of me. I got a reason to celebrate today. See, when his spirit lives in you, it changes the obligation of your life. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, he said, we're not conformed to the pattern of this world. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. There's something that's shifted. There's something that's changed on the inside of me. I refuse to live at the doldrums of Monday's pace. I have a resurrection life and the spirit of Jesus on the inside of me. Jesus commissioned his disciples 
to go, but before he told them to go, he commissioned them to wait. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he told the disciples he had already gone to the cross. He had appeared for some 40 days in bodily form. Now he's standing with him, and he tells them, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait, Acts 1-4, for the promise of the Father, which you have heard me speak about. He told them to go and to wait. Why? Why did he want them to wait? Because they needed another Sunday encounter. Because Jesus realized that there's, there's something else that God needs to do in your life. Yes, Sunday changed everything. But if you're going to go out and you're going to be my witnesses, first I need you to receive something of the Spirit. And Jesus explained what would happen a few verses later in verse 8 of Acts 1. He said, but when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power from on high and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said, you need this power. And we see as we read through the, the New Testament story, the impact that it made. Peter, who was denying that he even knew Jesus to a servant girl on the night of Jesus' crucifixion because he was afraid, because he was timid. All of a sudden, we see him on the day of Pentecost proclaiming the gospel to the same people that killed Jesus. He's proclaiming the gospel to him. He's preaching to them. Why? Because he has the spirit of God, not just the spirit living in him, but number three, understand this. You're made for Monday because the spirit compels us. See, the Spirit doesn't just abide with you. The Spirit compels us. Understand this about the first century church. If the Spirit of God didn't come and dwell in them the way Jesus said it would, they would have never taken the gospel beyond Jerusalem to Judea. They certainly would have taken it to the Samaritans. And they most certainly would not have gone to the ends of the earth. They were absolutely content with their understanding of a God who called them the children of Abraham. They were content with a God who knew them as a people who were related to relationship with God because of birthright, because of nationality, because of genealogy. And they were content with that relationship. But it was when the Holy Spirit of God came and lived on the inside of them, all of a sudden they were compelled to do something that they would have never done on their own. Forty days after Jesus' resurrection, he commissioned them. He said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all things. He commissioned them to go. You know, it's funny. Some Christians, I, I, I think we've made such a big deal about coming to church, and we should. We should make a big deal about coming to church, but some Christians... They look at church attendance as if this is the moon landing of spirituality. You know, like this is the, the, the moment of us planting our proverbial flag and saying, look, we're here, we're serving, I'm worshiping, I'm in church, my Bible's open, I'm listening. This is the moon landing of Christianity. I did it. And can I just tell you what this is today? You're not on the moon, you're on the launch pad. That's what church is. Church is the launch pad. This is the place where we come together and we receive the equipment and the resources and the power to be thrust into a world that needs Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, yes, I, I want you to go, 
But first, I want you to wait. I want you to go to Jerusalem. And they waited. And they didn't just wait for an hour. They didn't just wait for a day. For about 10 days, they prayed in that upper room until the Bible says they had another Sunday experience. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place. Verse 2 says, suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that came and separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them, it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Holy Spirit wants to enable you to be his witness. It's not enough to just say, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for my life. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us. And when the Spirit of God, who raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you, he begins to compel you to go to a lost world. Listen, I want to show you one more picture in Scripture of what it looks like to be compelled by the Holy Spirit. It's in Acts chapter 20. Paul the apostle is speaking. He's on a missionary journey. And in verse 22, he says these words. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I... I, Laugh when I thought about that verse this week that some of you could probably uh, replace Jerusalem with the place that you work. (laughs) You could say it like this, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to the office, not knowing what will happen to me. You ever felt that way? You're like, oh, Jesus, just, Jesus, help me. I don't deny the reality that for some of you, it's a difficult place. It's a hard place to serve. It's a hard place to obey. It's a hard place to be salt and to be light. But can I just tell you, as we look into the word of God for a few moments more, that where you're going tomorrow pales in comparison to where the apostle Paul was going when he said this. When he said, I'm compelled by the spirit and I don't know what will happen. Let me tell you what he thought might happen. There were people there that wanted to kill him. I'm not talking about social media rage. I'm talking about literal plans and resources to end his life. People wanted to kill him. In fact, in, in this same chapter, he goes on a little bit farther, and he says these words. He says to the people that he's talking to, I know that none of you will see me again. Come on, that's real. I mean, imagine if I told you, hey, I'm going to take a short-term missions trip. I want y'all to pray for me. I don't know how it's going to go, but God's made it clear. You'll never see me again. (laughs) I mean, how many of you think you're going to maybe try to encourage me not to go on that trip? (laughs) And so no surprise, that's what all Paul's friends are doing. They're going, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. And he's like, no, I got to go. Why? The spirit of God's compelling me. The spirit of God is calling me to do something that nothing in my nature would want to do or desire to do. But something deeper, something supernatural is pushing me to be light. And so I'm going to Jerusalem. And he starts heading that way. And then a little bit later in the chapter, he meets a prophet, a man named Agabus, comes to him, and he takes 
Paul's belt, and he ties it around his own hands and his own feet, and then he prophesies, and he says, this is what's going to happen to the person that owns this belt. Thanks for your ministry, Agabus. I, I appreciate the word of encouragement, edification, and comfort. Thank you for the gift of prophecy in the church, right? You ever get one of those words? I mean, come on, man. Get behind me. You know what Paul does? He says, thank you. Give me my belt back. He puts his belt back on, and he goes into Jerusalem. Why? Because the Spirit of God compelled him. The Spirit of God compelled him to go into the city. See, Paul was not compelled by what awaited him. He was compelled by what was within him. And I just sense the Holy Spirit today wants to give somebody a new motivation for Monday. You don't have to be motivated by what awaits you. You can be motivated by who is in you. And when you have the Spirit of the living God that raised Christ from the dead and changed everything on Sunday, now living inside of you, he calls you and compels you to go into the difficult places, the hard places, to do a work that he has for you to do. You know what my prayer has been through this this whole series, that God would give us a fresh vision of what ministry looks like. We talked about earlier in this series this this division of the sacred and the secular and how we want to kind of compartmentalize some things to be the work of God and other things to just be secular. But that, that dualism does not exist in the kingdom of God. Every man, woman, and child that knows Christ has a purpose and a plan for God in the earth. Most of us don't have to fulfill that calling under a steeple. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And I want to challenge some of you to get a new mindset of business as mission. To get an understanding of business as mission. I believe wholeheartedly that the last quarter of 2020 is going to be the best that we've ever had. I I believe that as a church. But I don't believe it because I think I'm going to, you know, maybe preach my best sermons at the end of the year or because I think the worship team is going to really rock out on Joy to the World and Hark the Herald Angels Sings. Like, that's not the anchor of my conviction. I believe that this is going to be the most incredible fourth quarter of any year in this church's history because God is going to deposit a truth in the hearts of his people that you and I were made for Monday. That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead wants to dwell in you and compel you to go out and to make a difference in this world. Paul the apostle believed in business as missions. In fact, Acts chapter 18 tells a story about Paul meeting up with some people named Priscilla and Aquila. This husband and wife team were actually driven out of Rome because of persecution And so they find themselves in Corinth, and because Paul was a tent maker by trade, and Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers, they decided to partner together. So they would work Monday through Friday, and then on Sundays, he would go into the synagogue, and he would teach. And then eventually, his ministry partners, Silas and Timothy, showed up, and they brought an offering from the church, and the Bible says that Paul was now able to devote himself full-time to the work of the ministry. And let me say what a blessing that is. I thank God that, that, that I can devote myself to ministry full time. It is a gift of God. But that wasn't true for Aquila and Priscilla. 
In fact, they traveled with Paul from Corinth to Ephesus, and then Paul went on from there to somewhere else. But they continued to make tents and make disciples. Business as mission. And they were listening to this young, up-and-coming preacher named Apollos. He was eloquent. He was a great communicator. He loved the Lord. But as they listened to him, they realized Apollos doesn't know about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Apollos doesn't know that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead that we celebrate now lives in us, and he compels us to go out to a lost world. And so here's what they did. They invited Apollos over to their house to life group. And they said, Apollos, we want to tell you about what happened after Jesus rose from the dead. They began to disciple him and mentor him about the things of the Lord, about how the Holy Spirit calls us not just to the Jews, but to the very ends of the earth. And the Bible says at the end of Acts 18 in verse 27 that Apollos left from there. And it says, when he arrived at the next town of Achaia, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. See, I just believe that God is calling some people to an understanding of business as missions. And, and maybe, maybe, and I don't want to miss this opportunity. Maybe there's someone here, and God's actually calling you to missions in a different cultural context. And if that's you, and the Holy Spirit's stirring you, and every time I talk about missions or, or going to the ends of the earth, there's this pull, and you're going, I feel like that might be something God wants me to do. Maybe your reservation has been, but I'm not a preacher. I, I feel like that might be something God wants me to do, but I didn't go to Bible school, or I didn't go to seminary, or I don't know if I could do what you're doing. Let me tell you, the Assemblies of God, as an organization, we believe in business as missions as a model for reaching the world. And if your heart's being stirred right now to go to another cultural context, can I encourage you to go to a website? Go to wideopenmissions.org. Some of you need to write that down today wideopenmissions.org, because what you're going to discover when you go there is right now, currently, there are 539 missions opportunities all over the world through the Assemblies of God, and most of them are not to, to be a, a preacher or a pastor. Most of them are business as missions. In other words, there are some of you that you have experience and credentials in the medical profession, or maybe as a, a teacher or an educator. Maybe as a barista, we have missionaries right now that go into areas where there is not a Pentecostal church, and they don't open a church, they open a coffee house. And they use a model of business as missions to build community and build relationship. We have people that are professionals that are going into nations that are closed countries to the gospel, but following a pattern of business as missions like Priscilla and Aquila, they're building relationships, they're ministering to people. And God may be speaking to someone today about that. But here, here's what I believe. I believe that most of us, most of us, we already know where our field is. Most of us, we already know where we're called because you go to work there every week. It's your neighborhood you live in. It's the people in your classroom or on your team. It's the people that God has already put in your life. And we need to just come to the place where we understand that God has called me to live out and to launch out from the Sunday experience into a world in need of Jesus. So we're going we're to take a moment 
And we're going to just corporately but individually respond to what I sense the Holy Spirit doing in this place right now. I'm going to ask the worship team if you guys would come back. And in just a moment, they're going to lead us in a song. And this is going to be our altar call for the day, right where you're at. We're going to just respond to what the Lord is saying. And I just want to give you a story. Next week, you know, we've talked about New Life Sunday. It's coming up. Next Sunday is going to be New Life Sunday. And there's going to be several people that get baptized and give their public testimony of what Christ has done in their life. One of those people are in this service today. Crystal, so glad to have you here today. Crystal's going to get baptized. Amen. She's going to give her testimony next Sunday morning about what God has done in her life. She got, she got saved three weeks ago at our hometown hero celebration outside. Praise God. Hey, not only is she getting baptized, but she's going to dedicate her daughter to the Lord, to make a decision to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord together. But the, re- the reason I tell you that now, I don't want to spoil her testimony. You'll hear it all next week. The reason I tell you now is because that testimony doesn't happen next Sunday. That moment doesn't happen three Sundays ago at the outdoor service if it wasn't for Dawn, who's sitting next to her. Because Dawn and Crystal are neighbors. And God led Dawn and her husband, Jan, to move to Wrightsville a little while back. And as Crystal and I were talking this last week, she said, Dawn came over the one day with fresh fruit and said, do your kids like fruit? Just an act of compassion, just an act of kindness. And with that gift, she said, hey, if you ever want to talk, my door's open. And over a year ago, that started a relationship, a friendship. And they're great friends, and that's awesome. But what's even more awesome than that is that three weeks ago, that culminated in coming to church and Crystal giving her life to Christ. And next Sunday, she's going to stand here before this whole church and testify about how Sunday can change everything. But Sunday doesn't change everything if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead doesn't dwell inside of dawn and compel her to leave her house and go to her neighbor's house and love somebody in Jesus' name. That's what it means to be made for Monday. Can we just give God praise for what he's doing already? Amen. I celebrate that. I want you to stand. I got got to tell you one more story, and then we're going to respond to the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen the I Am Second videos? You know, the testimonies. A lot of times it's famous athletes or uh, celebrities that gave their life to Christ. And even though from a worldly standpoint, everybody thinks they're first, they make a public confession of faith and say, no, I'm second. Jesus is first. I was watching one of those testimonies. It was Stephen Baldwin, the actor. And, and I, love, I love his story because he had a, a cleaning lady that cleaned his house. Her name was Augusta. And she was contracted to clean houses in Salt Lake City. And she was cleaning the Baldwin's house. And while she's cleaning the house every day, she's singing songs about Jesus. 
and his wife noticed. And so she asked her, she said, Augusta, why, why, why do you always sing about Jesus? Don't you know any other Psalms? <laughs> and she laughed at her. She said, Augusta, why are you laughing? She said, I'm laughing because you think the only reason I'm here is to clean your house. what are you talking about? She said, God sent me here to lead you and your husband to Jesus, and he has a ministry for you. And that little cleaning lady led Stephen Baldwin and his wife to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means to recognize that I'm made for Monday, that God has put me in a sphere of influence that's totally different than the one he put someone else in. And that if we will let the spirit of Christ empower us and compel us God will build his kingdom it doesn't matter if you close the doors of the church for 14 Sundays or 15 weeks or all year because the kingdom of God is not built on how we gather it's built on the reality that we go